Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Coletta. Thanks for tuning in to the Join My League Football Podcast. <laughs> you know who I am, uh, but you don't know the gentleman sitting next to me to the left. And by gentleman, I mean the sickest, most twisted, perverted, vile, disgusting human being on the face of the planet. My best friend, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jake. Hey guys, what's up? What's going on? Nothing. How was the flight? The flight was actually not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. See any celebrities or anything like that? No, but there was one chick that was very loud and obnoxious St. Louis Rams fan, and I've had enough of her throughout the whole flight. So it's pretty it's pretty obvious who you're rooting for in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's I was tr- I was trying not to be biased, but after all the research I was doing and everything. I got a pretty good idea of who I want to win. All right, go ahead. Tell everyone about yourself. You know, who are you? What do you do? Stuff like that. Well, my name is Jake. I'm not even going to try to mention my last name, but I play guitar. Play guitar in a band called Vile Cynic. Used to be in a band called Crimson Rain. With this son of a bitch right here, he was the vocalist. We were killer. Check us out. How can they do that? Where can they go? YouTube? Facebook? YouTube. YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Crimson Rain with a K, Rain as in R-E-I-G-N. And I was talking more about Vile Cynic. Can they find you on YouTube? Yes. Facebook, all that Vile Cynic. V-I-L-E-C-Y-N-I-C, right? Yes, sir. All right, cool. You got it. Cool. All right, now let's not pretend that you're not a total fucking weirdo, okay? You're the first ever guest on the Join My League Football Podcast. Probably the last guest I'll ever have after the mess that we make of this show today. So we got to hear one. Let's start this thing off right. Give the people what they want. A Jake story. You know, you asked me what's an appropriate enough Jake story (laughs) to tell on the air. I couldn't think of one. There's so many Jake stories that are just way inappropriate involving just crazy, crazy shit. So... Most of you listeners probably know at least a couple Jake stories, but let's just say their involvement was of pure rated X material. Problem. Very big problem. <laughs> Problematic. Yes. You, I mean, you could tell one here, but my dad listens to this especially. Oh, And I kind of care what he thinks of my friends, and I really don't want... <laughs> so maybe you should keep those stories to yourself. So let's just get started with... Uh, Super Bowl weekend, um, but I have to say, I put off doing an episode last week partially because it, it was extremely hectic. <clears throat> last week was extremely hectic for me. The other part, I put off doing an episode last week because I wanted to talk about the AFC and NFC Championship games with you, even if they were two weeks ago, they're kind of old news by now, uh, but I know you're a man, you're a man with an opinion, so I wanted to know uh, what you think uh, NFC game first. So the NFC game was a very hard-fought game. Very good game. Probably one of the most best games out of all the playoffs. Most best. That's horrible English. I apologize. <laughs> but it was an awesome, awesome game. I felt that the Saints controlled the game for three quarters of it. Then the Rams sort of caught fire towards the end of it in the fourth quarter, but obviously we had that horrible, horrible call. Saints got robbed. Saints definitely got robbed. 100%. Were, 
the referees jammed that game right up there. So, that being said, the Saints still had a chance to win the game. They were the first ones to have the ball in overtime. They couldn't deliver. The Rams capitalized on the Saints' mistake. Yeah, I think the Saints totally got robbed 150%. But I I don't like hearing about how that the Saints could have done this differently or they could have done that differently because everything that happened in that game led up to that particular moment. First and goal inside the tent. Well, the call itself would have made would have made the game first and goal at the ten, like 10-yard line, under a minute left, one timeout for the Rams. There's no they, no way they would have stopped the clock. They, I mean, they could have. They had one timeout, so they could have stopped it once. But what the Saints going to do? They're going to run the ball up the middle, kill the clock to 10, 15 seconds, kick a field goal, and walk out of there with a victory. If the referees would have just made that call, that's what would have happened. 99.999% of the time, that's what's going to happen. So you could say, oh, well, the Saints had plenty of... Plenty of other chances. You're right, they did. They should not have blown a 13-point lead, which they did. You know what I mean? They should have ran the ball a couple of times instead of passing it towards the end. But really, that doesn't matter because everything that happened in that game led up to this moment, and it wasn't anything to do with the refs up until that point. The blown 13-point lead, the play calling, all of that stuff was it was decisions made by the Saints until that call. That call cost them the game. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm the furthest thing from the Saint, from a Saints fan. To me, they're always going to be cheaters, dating back to 2009. Hey, I've gotten some flack from that before. I, I went to New Orleans, almost got in a fight with a guy on Bourbon Street because I called the Saints cheaters. They don't like that, but it is what it is. They're a bunch of cheaters. Fact. That's very true. I mean, if you think about the implications that that call had. We'd be talking about a totally different Super Bowl right now. We'd be talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game in the Super Bowl, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. That would be one hell of a Super Bowl, I think, if they would have made that call. But since they blew it, now we're talking about a totally different story. I mean, this is a life-changing, this is NFL-changing event because they blew that call. And another point is, why didn't Roger Goodell say anything about it afterwards? I thought that was sort of childish of him. He's being paid more than anybody in the NFL. I dislike that guy, honestly. I really don't like Roger Goodell. I don't think anybody does. Very few people out there like Roger Goodell. But I don't really, I didn't really have a problem with him not saying anything after the game because Super Bowl week, he always does a, a state of the league address and you knew he was going to address it there. So whatever he would have said immediately after the game, he was just going to repeat himself today. But it's funny that you should bring up um, the fact that it's it changed that call changes the NFL because the next thing I wanted to talk about was rule changes. A lot of people want a rule change. So are you in favor of the rule change? And that would be being able to review or even challenge pass interference calls in the future. I am 100% all for changing the rule on that. I would love to see some type of pass interference challenge, even though it wasn't a call, on no calls. Well, the fact is the ref, the ref was standing right there. 
So dude came over the middle, not not the middle. He's out along the sideline, and uh, the safety Roby Coleman, I believe his name is, he came and he popped that guy, helmet to helmet and all. Ref was standing right there, did not throw the flag. So if they were to implement a challenge, then what Sean Payton would have been able to do was throw a flag and say, "Hey, look at that! He he hit my guy in the head with his head, helmet to helmet." And he did so before the ball got there. So not only is it pass interference, it was also helmet-to-helmet, both of which are penalties. So at that moment, if this rule was in place, he would have been able to uh, throw the challenge flag and probably have the call reversed. And undoubtedly win the game after that because, like you said, the Saints would have been able to run the ball down to almost no time remaining, kick a field goal, win the game. I think that's... Just like we said earlier, it was completely robbed. I think there has to be something done to change the rules of the NFL to where we could somehow review that. Within reason. Within reason. Not every time. So yes, I've been saying for years they should make um, pass interference calls reviewable or challengeable. But after this whole thing happened, you know, a lot of the times you'll see a flag thrown in the middle of a game. That doesn't really decide the game because so many things happen after that. You can go back and say, well, you know, if they would have picked up that flag, it was bogus call, the game would have went differently. But you actually have chances after that. I mean, unfortunately, this game went into overtime, unfortunately for the Saints. So they did have chances after that. But the game wouldn't have went into overtime had the refs not blown that call. So what I was thinking is... If they were to only have pass interference calls reviewable inside the last two minutes of the game, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to do something like that. So they add a couple of minutes to every game. Big deal. You know, it's better to extend the game slightly than to get the call wrong. Yeah, going along with your only calling them within two minutes of the end of the game, well, Maybe even a little bit more than that. Keep the coaches only two challenges what per game, I believe. That way, none of these games get out of hand with coaches just throwing the flag like nothing. That way it doesn't extend it, but the coaches still have a decent amount of opportunity to change the outcome of a game because of a blown call. The more things you make challengeable for coaches, the more... Two challenges per game isn't really enough. That's something that the NFL commissioner and, you know, whatever type of committee that they have has to figure out. But something has to be done. And I think something will be done. I really think that the NFL is going to implement some kind of rule that makes, at the very least, that makes pass interference reviewable. Maybe not challengeable. Maybe not be able to throw a challenge flag on it. But something that's as obvious as obvious as a missed call that we saw last Sunday, something like that should be reviewable in the future. So that's my opinion on that, and obviously that's your opinion on that. So I want to switch topics over to the AFC game. Chiefs Patriots, what you, would you make of that game? Well, I made of that game as exactly as I thought it would sort of pan out. We had the Patriots. They controlled the clock. They ate up almost every single minute they possibly could have, hence stopping Mahomes from being on the field. Because we all seen what Mahomes could do on the field when he has the ball. It, it's, it, it's a given. Mahomes is going to score points on you. There's no stopping him. 
The first drive of the game, the very first drive of the game, Patriots held the ball for like eight and a half minutes. Just the running game kept him off the field, and they forced him. It was like his stat line, like halfway through the second quarter, Mahomes. I mean, he was two for six for like seventeen yards or something like that. They did an excellent job controlling at least the first half. They let the Chiefs come back a little bit in the second half, but they did exactly what they needed to do to control the game, at least in the first half. Second half, okay, they got a little bit lucky, especially because Brady threw an interception in the second half, but Chiefs defensive end D. Ford lined up offsides. He lined up offsides. He didn't jump. Jump happens. But he lined up offsides. Like, that killed And that's exactly reasons like that were why it took the Patriots to win that game to begin with because the team's young, man. The Chiefs are young all over the place, and they're going to they're gonna make mistakes at the wrong time. It's just playoff football. It's what happens. So that's why, that's why I took the Patriots in that game. There's no better team that's more disciplined than the Patriots, obviously, with Belichick. I mean, that guy, he... He's the greatest coach in NFL history. I don't think there's any argument that can be no made. Argu- no argument at all. None. And the reason why they won that game is because of coaching. Because they don't have any stars on defense, any major stars like Nick, like Sue or Aaron Donald. They don't. But they have a stout defense with a coach that could come up with a game plan that takes away the offense's best personnel yep and and you really can't bring up this game without mentioning that roughing the passer call on Tom Brady you see the one where he I forget who it was but the, the lineman trying to snap he's trying to swat the ball away trying to swat the ball out of Brady's hands and he like grazes his face mask they called it roughing the pass he didn't go down they called it roughing the passer 15 yards automatic first down if not for that it would have been third and seven so it's not like it would have brought up a fourth down, or it's not like it was a fourth down play, but it really it really hurt the Chiefs. And the simple answer to that is, it's Tom Brady. It's, it's true, it's Tom Brady. But That's all you could say. He's the greatest of all time, so it doesn't, he gets a little leeway. He does. He, he gets a little bit of leeway. He definitely does. The big talk of that game, though, was overtime. So we talked before about the pass interference being able to be reviewable or challengeable, even. Now... With this game, people think that the overtime rule should be changed because the Patriots won the coin toss. They elected to receive. They marched down the field, scored a touchdown. Chiefs never had the chance to get the ball back, never had the chance to retaliate. Personally, I think that if it was the other way around, Chiefs won the coin toss. They took the ball, elected to receive, and they marched down the field, scored a touchdown. Wouldn't be having this conversation. I agree. It's because it was Brady who did that that people are like, oh, overtime needs to be changed. Okay. Whatever. It's true. I'm honestly 50-50 on that one. You know, I, I do believe, part of me believes, that each team, no matter what, should have a chance to score. But at the same time, giving the ball first and being able to drive down the field, score a touchdown, that just shows how inadequate the Chiefs' defense was at stopping them, which they have been all season. I personally don't think the overtime rule needs to be messed with because there's no way to make it 100% perfect. But just for the sake of argument, I did a little research, I formed an opinion, and I came up with three reasons, or three solutions, I suppose, to the overtime dilemma that people think that we seem to have in the NFL. Solution number one, in the playoffs only, 
a full overtime period. Just full overtime period. It would cure everything until it doesn't anymore. Because both teams would get a a possession, multiple possessions most likely, and who's ever winning at the end of the extra quarter wins the game. Now the cons with that is more risk of an injury in the playoff game. And if it's not the Super Bowl, that's a really big problem. Say you got Tom Brady and Drew Brees looking at AFC Championship and NFC Championship victories. They both go down in the conference championship, but they both win the game. They're not able to play Super Bowl. So what we would have is Brian Hoyer versus Teddy Bridgewater in a Super Bowl. Oh, man. Don't think something like that would happen. Because at some point, it would happen, and then people would want an overtime rule change. Oh, two, an extra quarter is too long. Like You can't please anybody ever. So The honest God truth is this is not a perfect league, and it will never be perfect. You're, you're never going to be able to please everybody. You're never going to be able to please all the fans. No matter what, a game will come up where people will think there should be rule changes or policy changes or something. It's it's just never going to happen. No, never. So that's why I don't think the overtime rules should be changed. But another suggestion that I had was uh, people like to throw this one around all the time. They think it would be the be-all, end-all solution to the overtime, and that is convert to college football overtime rules. I'm not a fan of that idea simply because college football overtime College football overtime rules, they don't seem legit. They seem like a glorified practice drill. That's Start very- at the 25-yard line, and then at some point you, you can't kick field goals anymore. You have to go for it on fourth down, or you have to you have to go for two-point conversion, stuff like that. It's just, it doesn't seem like a legitimate way to end. If you're a fan of offense, you'd probably get a lot more points on the board. That's the only, that's the only pro. That's true. I don't think that will happen. I mean, yes looking at it, it might fix the problems that we have in overtime or the discrepancies that we have in overtime right now, but that'll just open up the gate to a whole bunch of other problems that people will right. complain about. And a, a con, one of the big cons on it is it's still based off a coin flip, which is really the biggest problem in overtime. And by that, I mean whoever wins the toss elects to receive, and the team who gets the ball second is still at a massive disadvantage. So people's biggest problem with overtime is the coin toss. They say we shouldn't let it, a coin toss determine the outcome of a game, which you know, if you really think that's the way it is, then you have a little bit of you have a little bit of gripe. Like I kind of can see where you're coming from even though it doesn't really determine the outcome of a game. Let let me ask you this. What do you think about this? I just had sort of brain farts of an idea. But what about what if the last team to score that other team was to get the ball first in overtime. <laughs> really funny that you bring that up, and I swear to God, we did not have this conversation before. We didn't talk about this at all. Not at all. But my third solution I actually thought was the most fair, and that is the team that scores first in the game gets the ball second in overtime. That's it. I thought about making it the other way around, that the team that scores first gets the ball to start overtime with the same rules that apply now. But I think if the team who scores first gets the ball second, it would relieve some pressure. You still have every reason to want to score first in the football game. No one's going to go into a game and say, we don't want to be the ones to score first, just in case this game goes to overtime. That's very true. It wouldn't, it would be completely, totally fair, and there would be no, I don't even know how to put this, but teams wouldn't change their game plan. Exactly. 
Exactly. Just thinking that it was going to go into overtime. It's not really based off a of coin toss because no one really seems to have a problem with coin tosses to start the game. Only in overtime do we ever hear how coin tosses, quote, decide the game. So there are still some cons because when you really break it down, you can still see how coin a coin toss comes into effect in overtime, even if the coin toss took place at the beginning of the game. The bottom line is overtime's not perfect. There's no perfect solution to the overtime dilemma. There are pro, pros and cons to every solution that I've come up with, and, and that's just the way it is. That's why I say leave overtime the way it is because you're never going to get it perfect, ever. I agree. I think they got a good system in overtime right now. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it's, it's, it's good enough to where you won't have a crazy amount of complainers. You'll still have your few, but it's, it's, it is what it is. All right, I'm gonna time for a pee break because I got I got yeah. I got a urine. I think so. I got the old urination station. Let's go we'll, take a piss yeah. together. Okay, no. We're definitely gonna go over the normal time I spend doing a podcast, which is great because I always wanted to do a longer podcast, but I usually just write up thirty, well, usually forty minutes worth of stuff, and then edit out and it ends up being thirty minutes. So I'm really glad we're gonna go over uh, over that thirty minute mark today. But what I wanted to talk about next is prop bets on the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl betting in general is just fascinating to me. Over $6 billion is going to be gambled away during the Super Bowl this year. $6 billion. Some of it legally, others not so legally. That's that's insane when you think about that. $6 billion. Yeah, and a good portion of that money is going to be placed on prop bets. So here's some of the more funnier slash more interesting prop bets that I've found. And I want to know your opinion on this. First one. Will Tony Romo or Jim Nance say the word goat during the game? I think absolutely. Okay, because yes is plus 120, which means you bet $100 to win 120 Or if you're low on funds, like me, you bet a dollar to win a buck $1.20. Uh, if, if you bet no, it's bet 160 to win 100 So, you know, the odds are out there that Vegas thinks they won't mention the word goat. They will not say GOAT. I think absolutely they will because, you know what, I believe it's going to come down to a close game, and if Tom Brady marches down the field at the end of the game, then you could be damn sure that they're going to call Tom Brady the GOAT. All he has to do is make one fascinating play, and that's the GOAT right there. You know, from kickoff to the final whistle, they've got to say it at once, and it's got to be, it's got to be GOAT. It can't be greatest of all time. They can't say greatest of all time. They actually have to say GOAT. This one's a no-brainer to me because Tony Romo has been very vocal in the past about how he considers Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time. So I feel like at some point, yes. So if you're looking to bet on it, go for it. You got nothing to lose but a few bucks. He, so he's been vocal about Tom Brady being the greatest, but combine that with the fact that the word and term GOAT gets thrown around all the time. It's not a guarantee. But with those odds, I really think it's a no-brainer. Oh, especially. It, you're absolutely right. I mean, and you got to talk about it. you you got to talk about it. I mean, Tom Brady, this is what, his sixth, could be his sixth Super Bowl win, right? Yes. He's 5-3 and three right now. Yes. Which is just unheard of to be at eight Super Bowls. This is going to be his ninth Super Bowl. If, if I read this correctly... There's not even a franchise in the history of all the franchises 
who've been to nine Super Bowls. No, that's true. And we're going to get to Brady's legacy in a little bit because I have something that I want to talk about regarding his legacy, win or losses. But before we get to that, um, over under seven and a half on how many plays Tony Romo predicts correctly during the game. Oh, I think it's definitely over. Really? I definitely think it's over. I mean, what, the uh, AFC Championship game, he was, I believe, 13 for 16, I want to say. Maybe 14 for 16. I was doing some research on this. Tony Romo, he called, he predicted, I believe, 79 plays in the regular season. And he was over 67% right, which is unheard of for an announcer. He's, he is one of the best out there. You know, in a span of two seasons, he's only been doing this two years. So in a span of two seasons... Think about what Tony Romo's done. He's he's gone from being the Cowboys quarterback who could not catch a break. He was the laughing stock of the league for choking in playoff games and never winning the big one. He was always looked at like that. Now, two years later, he's become the most beloved commentator of all, all of sports. And to me, he's the greatest right now. In two years, and I was one of the biggest fans of John Gruden, of the way he commentated. But Tony Romo? He's better. He's better. He's a lot better. He's and, better. And it's... And it's Predicting plays has become Tony Romo's like niche, but it's the passion that he shows that makes him so much fun to listen to. I've, I love Tony Romo on commentary. I kind of don't want to. I don't want to go out for the Super Bowl. I kind of want to just stay here and watch it on the TV just so I could listen to Tony Romo. It's not going to happen. We're going to go somewhere. And we're going to have a blast. But in the back of my mind, I kind of want to. I just kind of want to listen to Tony Romo. I turn the game off. I don't even need to watch it. I just listen to him. Have have a great time. You know, when we were out last night having a few beers, and you were in a predicament over where we're going to watch the Super Bowl, and then you said to me, what about this place? It's a little, we'll say it's a little bit lower budget of a place. It's a dump. It's, it's a dump. It's a solid dump. It's, it's, it's a dump. That, that's what we're all about. We're all about dump bars and watching games at dump bars. Low because key. Yeah, low it's, key. it's low it's key. Low. But you asked me if you think that we should watch it there. And what did I say? As long as they have the sound on. As long as they have the sound on, just to hear Tony Romo. That's exactly right. But with that said, over under seven and a half correct play predictions is a lot. You're going to go over. I'm not touching this one. I'm not betting on it. But if I had to put a gun to my head, I'd probably go under. That's a lot of plays, man. That means he's got to predict eight plays correct. Just seems like a lot. Just seems like a lot. That's all I'm saying. And I think he will. Wait, are we talking... Even including Rams plays, too. Yeah, anything. Yes, and I anything. definitely think he'll be over. Oh, we'll have to see. I'll have to mark that one down. I'm going to be watching for that one on Sunday. Right. Uh, how many times will Tony Romo and Jim Nance mention a Sean McVay's age? Over, under, one and a half. So if they mention his age two times, they win. And by age mention, they mean the exact age, quote, 33 years old. That needs to be said, because if you place this bet, know that something along the lines of Sean McVay is only 33 or... He's 33 and coaching in the Super Bowl. It doesn't count. The sentence has to include 33 years old for you to cash in. Just something to keep in mind. It's really unheard of when you think about it. McVay being 33, Belichick being 66. McVay was a sophomore in high school when just Brady won his first Super Bowl. I mean, that's that, that's ridiculous. McVay, here's an interesting fact for you guys. McVay was born January 1986. Belichick won his first championship in January of 1987 when McVay was one 
year old. That's crazy. Well, the over on uh, the over on this one is listed at minus two sixty, so you would have to bet two hundred sixty bucks to win a dollar. Uh, the under is listed at one eighty, so bet a hundred to win a hundred eighty. So just something to think about there. You really want to put that kind of money down on. Uh, Something that's not guaranteed to happen. Because like I said, there's so many different ways to mention his age. And because it has to be one specific way of mentioning it, and that's 33 years old, I personally think it would be best to stay away from that one. Or bet the under. I'd probably bet the under. You honestly, you sort of turned me on that. When you put it like that, where you have to mention it that way, it's a bet where I'd be fairly favorable against the over. But... Am I willing to put money on it? No, because no. what's going to happen is it's tricky. If you bet over over one and a half, if Romo or Nance refer to him as 33, you're getting pissed. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Just say years old at the end of that. Please. You're begging the TV. That It's just it's too tricky. I'm not doing it. Yeah, and I don't want to ruin any part of the game off me getting pissed off or a prop bet that a I stupid, put into. A stupid prop bet. Yeah, stupid. Prop, the only... The only kind of prop, the prop bet that you're only going to find for Super Bowl. Yeah. That you'll never find that prop bet anywhere else. No way. I think no doubt they're going to mention uh, Sean McVay's age more than twice. But like I said, since it has to be 33 years old, that scares me a little bit. And then, of course, the length of the national anthem over under 107 seconds. That's 1 minute 47 seconds. If you bet the over, it's minus 145. And the over, or I'm sorry, if you bet the over, it's minus 145, and the under is plus 105, so it's fairly even on that one. This is one that I sort of had trouble with. Everything says that it should be under, considering she is a blues singer, and blues singers are not known for holding their notes out. But She can hold her notes. She could, she could definitely hold her notes, because she's not just a blues singer, she's an opera singer, too. And this is the Super Bowl. Yeah. And... I have a feeling that she's going to go way over. She's going to kill it. She's going to be one of the best national anthem singers we've had in the Super Bowl. Okay, well, it takes the average Joe without vocal range, me and you, people like us. It takes somebody like us about 90 seconds or a minute and a half to sing the national anthem, open the close. From the very first note to the end of the word brave, it takes about 90 seconds for an average Joe. Vegas is already predicting that Gladys Knight goes about 17 seconds over the average singing time. I absolutely agree with that. Like I said, everything says that. They're setting it at 107 seconds. So when an average person sings a national anthem, it's 90 seconds. They're saying she's going to sing it at 107 seconds, and you have to make the decision whether you want to go over or under that amount. I think a a lot of people are picking the under, and that's why I would predict the over. These are so hard to guess because you don't know. You might think you know her vocal tendencies and she might throw a curveball. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Cause, like I said, everything says she's going to go under, but I think she's going to kill it and go over, and she's going to be phenomenal. And that, on top of the fact that it's something like, which that already indicates that I don't know the exact stat, but something like eight of the last ten national anthem singers for the Super Bowl, they've gone over what Vegas predicted. I think I would just take the over and hope she holds notes. And I'm a fan of note holding anyway, so it just makes more sense for me to take the over. Not gonna, not betting on that. But if I had to, I would definitely go over. Hopefully. Over. Just by a couple of seconds. I don't care what it is. Just a couple (laughs) of seconds is all I ask for. And I'm 100% with you on that one. That's all I had for prop bets. As far as uh, what's left on the show, we really don't have too much left. I I wanted to go over Tom Brady's legacy. 
you know, and then hit the picks and uh, pre- preview picks. You know, that's what I got. So with Tom Brady's legacy, what do you think a fourth loss would do for the legacy of Tom Brady? Or on the flip side, what would a sixth Super Bowl win do for his legacy? Given Brady, if he loses, he'll be five and four in Super Bowls. Montana, he was four and zero. He was eighty three for one hundred twenty two. 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Damn near perfect. Now, I don't agree with this, but I'm just giving you the arguments for people who still say Montana. And those people are haters. Exactly. It doesn't matter what they they think. They're They're haters. They're just haters. They don't really have a legit... Right. Except they just don't like Tom Brady. No quarterback has more than four Super Bowl victories and five appearances. Five appearances, that goes to John Elway. He's 2-3 and three in the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady, as of this Sunday, has nine Super Bowl appearances. And that's insane. And one of his losses in the Super Bowl. He broke records. He did it twice. He, broke, he broke his own record. Yeah, that's what I mean. He broke the record, and then he broke it himself the next year. Like, it's just, it's insane what he's doing. You know, and only two other quarterbacks have four Super Bowl wins. That's Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana. Brady already has five, and he very well could have six by the end of Sunday. He's almost been in the Super Bowl, almost, I believe, 50% of his career, mm-hmm. which is just, it, it's unthinkable. Well, that's, that's not even Jordan, I don't think. I, I hate to say it, but I think it's tough. I, I can't say it. Because I, you, know, you know the pedestal that we've put Michael Jordan on right. he's, he's since we were little kids. Undoubtedly the greatest. But Tom Brady... And Tom Brady. I mean, it's is, a different sport, so it's luckily right. we don't have to like make an opinion, a real opinion on this. Right. But it's still something to think about. Like John, Michael yes. Jordan was was the athlete. He always wanted to be Michael Jordan. Maybe it's not anymore. Maybe it's Tom Brady. That's Maybe true. the little kids want to be Tom Brady now. So I really don't think it's a debate at this point. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. If he wins, it's going to give people like me and you more ammo for right. the people that don't like him. And if he loses, it's just going to give Patriots haters and Tom Brady haters more ammo to throw at Patriots fans. You know, four, four Super Bowl losses is, right off the bat, that sounds very bad. But when you add five additional wins to that, how is that not great? So you really think about it, right now, yeah, in in the exact time period, everyone's going to have their haters. Tom Brady's going to have his haters and everything, but when you think 50 years in the future, we're watching history right now. We're watching the greatest franchise 50 years. Should I'll be dead by then. Yeah, exactly. We're watching the greatest franchise. We're watching the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. And people don't realize how lucky we are to be in the Tom Brady and Belichick era. It's the same thing. Of football. It's the same thing like LeBron James. People hate LeBron James. And I don't hate LeBron James. I like LeBron James. Me no too. Michael Jordan. He's no Michael Jordan. Right. That's fine. But Let, I, let's get that clear. Yes. Right now. Right off the bat, ladies yes. and gents. He's no Michael Jordan. No. He never will be Michael Jordan. He's going to. No, even if he wins like the next five NBA champions, he'll never be Michael Jordan. No, no, not at all. But at least appreciate what you're seeing. You know what I mean? And people don't want to appreciate. Oh, they're cheaters. Oh, this and that. It's just, I can't stand it. Like, no. how can you not appreciate what the Patriots are doing? Or Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. How how you cannot appreciate what they're doing? I know I'll never understand it. Or even who never gets credit for what they're doing? Robert Kraft. 
Yeah. He's one of the greatest owners of all time. He'll yep. go down in the history of greatest owners. Because you're not going to win every year. It's so hard to maintain greatness in the NFL, especially since free agency came into play in the early 90s. Players coming and going. So to maintain greatness for 20 years is almost insane. So this is what I did. I looked up team of the decade. There's always one. And just for the sake of our argument, I'm going to start at the beginning of the Super Bowl era, even though team of the decade really stretches back to the beginning of NFL football. And what the team of the decade is, is someone who dominated each decade. So in the 70s, you had the Steelers. The 80s, you had the 49ers. In the 90s, you had the Cowboys. In the 2000s, it was the Patriots. The 2000s, and up the, till 2020. Right, so in the 2000s, it was the Patriots. Now, in the 2010s, it's the Patriots again. Yeah, it's it doesn't. 20, it doesn't. It's not going to end until those two go away. Until Tom Brady and Belichick retire, it's not going anywhere. To me, it's very simple. It's very cut and dry. If you're not already on board to the fact that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, chances are you never will be. His legacy is already intact. If he wins, ammo for people like me. If he loses, ammo for the haters and people in denial. And that's it. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean. Like I said, there will, there will never be another quarterback, another coach that's going to be able to accomplish as much as Belichick and Brady has in the past 20 years. And they don't have the exact same team at all. Each team has been different. Yeah, exactly. So when somebody – Tom Brady is like the 27th-ranked quarterback in terms of salary, yearly salary. He takes pay cuts to stay with that organization. Why? Well, especially at this, I think I think six years ago you could have taken Tom Brady, put him on the Browns, and they would have became a contender. Maybe they wouldn't have won Super Bowls or even did a whole lot of damage in the playoffs. But he would have made the Browns a lot better, and he would have made him a contender. Now, if he did that, he's not doing much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's forty-one years old. Remember Brett Favre at forty-one years old? He's he was a grandpa. He was an old man. Gray hair and everything. Gray Look hair at Tom Brady. And, all. and he was beat up and he was hurt all the time. Tom Brady's still a stud. Tom Brady is 41 years old. He looks like he's 30. And his jersey's never dirty at the end of a game. Like, this team keeps him upright. And I guess I guess we could just segue that over into picks because that's the key factor right there for the Patriots to win the game. That they're is. Gonna have to keep, they're going to have to keep uh, Tom Brady upright. And I'll let you take it, because I know you've done a ton of research on this game. I know you have. From the beginning it was announced, Monday morning last week, you were up and you were looking up and looking for shit to, to write and talk about, because I knew you were going to have you on the show. So just go ahead. Just go off. I'm leaving. Mike's, Mike's all yours. <laughs> all right. So at first, when I first found out this was going to be a Super Bowl, St. Louis Rams versus New England Patriots, I was disappointed. I really wanted to see... Drew Brees and Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. I think we all did. That's what I predicted. And I'm going to go back to that blown call real quick because that blown call cost me the chance to be correct. For the second time in my life, I predicted preseason predictions. I predicted uh, the Super Bowl right one other time in the preseason. That was 2012 when I took the Ravens over the 49ers. If it wasn't for that blown call, this would be my second. But go ahead. I just needed to vent for a second because that pisses me off real bad. I understand. I understand because I was one of the biggest supporters of seeing a Breeze-Brady Super Bowl. So I love Drew Breeze. I think he's a great quarterback, and especially if he beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, would have done loads for Drew Breeze's career. It would have put, put him up there in second. In second. 
I say that one more time <laughs> in seconds. But anyways, let's not get off. He topic still wouldn't here. have been the great. He still wouldn't have been better than Tom Brady. Hence, two 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 Super Bowl victories, one tainted. <laughs> Wait, one tainted because Saints are a bunch of cheaters. And we all know it. If you don't think so, you're wrong. Bunch of cheaters baiting back to 09. So he would add, if he would have won this year, he would have two Super Bowl victories, one of them tainted. It's true. It's true. I can't really even comment on that because I don't even know what to say to that. Bounty Gate, remember? Oh, yeah, I remember. I thought you said you didn't know what I was talking about. I remember, but I could put up the argument against the Patriots, but I'm not even going to go there. Because I think the flake gate was just a waste of time. And That's what I'm saying. Everything, everything. The Patri- every, everything that people want to say about the Patriots cheating, the pettiest stuff ever. Right. Oh, deflate, deflate gate, really? A couple pounds? A couple not pounds in a goddamn pound. football? Not a couple pounds. No, a couple I'm talking ounces. like two-tenths of a pound right. of pressure yeah. in a football was deflated. Cold weather does that. Yeah. You got yeah. air in your tires, right? What I, happens when it gets cold out? I know that better than anybody. I'm a service advisor at a dealership. When it gets cold... Air pressure down. Air pressure goes exactly. down. Exactly. We all have cars. We all know how it works. Okay. And, what, and, and and is that any excuse for the way that they blew out the Indianapolis Colts in that game? They killed them. Like yeah. by 38 points or something ridiculous. Like they beat the Colts by 38 points that game. You're going to tell me that 0.2 pounds of air pressure made a 38-point difference. Give me a break. Petty. You're all petty. You, you're, yeah. What he said. What I said. It's usually the you're way You're freaking is. petty. Freaking petty. Anyways, back to topic here. Sorry, guys. We get a little excited about this stuff. What I love about this Super Bowl, even though I was looking forward to a Brady Breeze Super Bowl, this game is going to be one in the trenches. It's going to be one in the trenches, and that's one of the best matchups that I could think of is the best, the, the number one rated pass block. In the league, number three rated run block in the league in the Patriots offensive line versus the Rams defensive line with Sue, with Donald. Dante Fowler. And Dante Fowler. He gave me a look like you forgot you forgot the name. Yeah, Dante Fowler. He's, yeah. he's a beast, man. They got him from Jacksonville for, I don't remember what they gave up for him, but they traded for him this year. He's a former first-round pick, so he he's a, he's, a, he's a key to that game. He's a key to this game. And he's the one who caused Drew Brees to throw that interception at the end of the, the championship game. Which wouldn't have mattered if the refs would have just got that call right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you can't take that away from him. He made no, a play a, when he needed he's to. A, he's good. He's real good. He's yeah. real good. He just compliments. Sue and Donald, man, they're, they're something else. And then just to throw Dante Fowler in there, and he was good in Jacksonville, and he didn't have half the help. On that defensive line in Jacksonville that he has with uh, L.A. So, something else. Exactly. Now, the Rams, they have the key to beating Brady. They truly do. When Brady is under interior pressure, has to be interior, Brady's excellent under edge pressure. But he just steps up into the pocket. Exactly. But when you when you when you bring the pressure through the interior, he's got to run around, and, and he's he no can, athlete. He cannot run. No, he's no athlete. Brady's completion percentage when pressured on the edge, 52.3 on the edge, interior 50%. His touchdown-interception ratio on the edge is 7 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. When he's pressured in the interior, 2 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. Passer rating, edge, 118.7. 
when pressured on the interior, 63.1. Scary, man. Scary, and the Rams can bring the heat. They definitely can. Can the Patriots' offensive line be good enough to stop that heat? If Bill Belichick wasn't the coach, I'd say probably not. That's exactly my thoughts. And the fact that you have Shaq Mason, who only allowed one sack in week one, and Joe Thune, who has not allowed one sack this whole year as their guards on the inside, who's going to win that battle? I don't know. That's going to be the question. Well, then you got the line. Not only do you have the lines, because you do have the battle in the trenches, which is really the X factor for as far as Rams defense versus Patriots offense goes. That is the X factor. But then on the edge, you got you got the Patriots wide receivers, whichever ones they decide to showcase this week, because it seems like they're so good. I'm telling. You, I was talking to my boss earlier today. He's a big Patri- big Patriots fan, borderline obnoxious. Right? He is just. He's talking to everybody at work, and he's like, hey, don't forget to root for the Patriots this week. Like, the guy is, he's a diehard, okay? And, he, and we were talking, and he said that, uh, what about Tlaib? You know, you got Tlaib on the outside for the Rams. You got Peters on the other side for the Rams, and they, they can make all the difference in the world. But what the Patriots are so good at is it's like they know what you're game planning for, okay? So they want to, you want to, the Rams want to make a, a game plan to stop Gronkowski, to stop Sony Michelle, to stop James White, to stop Julian Edelman. You don't think Belichick knows that? No. The star of this game on the Patriots, if they win, it's going to be somebody like Chris Hogan or Rex Burkhead. It is funny that you say that because I was just about to bring up the next point. I honestly think the star in this Super Bowl is going to be Chris Hogan. Yeah. It's, it's not out there. You want to name Super Bowl MVP, go look at the line on what... Um, if you want to make a bet on Chris Hogan being the MVP for the Super Bowl, I guarantee you, if you bet that, and he, you'll, you'll cash. Oh, yeah. You will cash out because he, he hasn't done anything all year long. No, and look but, at what he did in the playoffs last year. He, he killed it in the playoffs last year. He comes out of nowhere, and it's just it's the Patriots deciding, okay, he's like the Vince McMahon of football. <laughs> like He's like, I'm going to make a star out of that guy today, and he just does. Yeah. That's the way it is. Exactly. Do you honestly think that Sony Michelle – would be a premier running back on any other team. Well, maybe. He, he I think he'd fun. be good. He'd be better than average. I mean, but. He, he did get drafted early, okay? So he would have been drafted early from somebody else, you know. And he would have been somebody else's feature back for a while. He's still a rookie. So, and he missed, like, the first, what, two, three, four games this year. Yeah. He didn't play. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. He was hurt or something like that, I think. Uh, but, yeah, he didn't play. But he's a good player, man. But they also have James White, who is basically a wide receiver, it's all he does. He does, barely runs the ball. He just catches out of the backfield. Was that game against the was it the Chargers, I think it was, where he had like 16 or 18 targets or something like that? Out of the backfield. Which is where I think this game is going to be won. If you could get White outside, throwing the ball, couple yard quick passes, then you'll take away the inside rush because they won't have time to get to you. And you'll pretty much be taking Sue and Donald out of the game. Quick passes. Yeah. Quick passes. And all you got to do, and, and that that brings up another point that I was thinking about earlier today, because whenever i by myself and I'm working, I just think football. <laughs> Always. You ever see that meme with the guy and his girlfriend laying in bed? 
And he's, like, turned the other way, like, awake, like, just thinking about stuff. And she's, like, looking at him with a snotty attitude. And she's like, I bet he's thinking about other women. <laughs> well, that's me and Haley. And she'll be like, what's he doing? Like, I'm just sitting there, like, zoning out. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just thinking about the football game coming up. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just the way I can't help it. So, but I spend a lot of time thinking about, uh, all you really got to do is throw off Peters and to leap once. So you're going to get quick passes, you know? Right. Get them to blow coverage one time. And you can pick on those guys. They're very talented, both of them, but you can pick on them. Especially, Marcus like Peters. I said, Mar- well, Marcus Peters, he gets frustrated a little bit. Yep. When he, things don't go his way. Yeah. You can pick on him. And not to mention, you also got guys coming from the uh, interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you counter a really good pass rush? Quick passes right. to the outside, to your running backs. And ain't nobody been able to stop James White, really. When the Patriots want to get him involved, Brex Burkhead is another. Like, it just it could be anybody, and I, I I feel like the Patriots could take advantage of the Rams' defense, kind of however they want. Exactly, and it, that's exactly how the Saints did it in the championship game when they were pretty much beating up on the Rams through three quarters of it. I mean, the Rams did a good job of shutting down the Saints' running game, but what happened was Drew Brees dumped it off to... I wasn't paying attention what you were just saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my. Elvin Kamara? Yeah. Drew Brees just dumped it off a couple yard pass to Elvin Kamara. That's what killed them in the championship game, even though the Rams came out with it when they shouldn't have. But that's how the Saints were able to beat up on the Rams in the championship game. Yeah, and I think the Patriots will be able to do the same thing. Now, on the other side of the ball... We think Rams offense versus Patriots defense. How do you think the Rams are going to fare? They're going to score points. You know, you know, when I was doing research on this game, this is the one area that I had so much trouble with because you, you really don't know about the Patriots defense because they don't have any stars, but Belichick's schemes are just second and none, and they're just a solid group overall because of his schemes. Now... There's no doubt about it. Rams are talented on offense. They're they're gonna put up points, but Jared Goff, he's iffy. The first eleven games of the season, he killed it. He was awesome, but the second half of the games, man, he was on a cold streak. He was seven for seven, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he did not look like the guy we seen in the first half of the season. But I will say, even though he looked like crap in the championship game, the first half. He pulled it together when he needed to in the fourth quarter, and he put together some fabulous game-winning drives. You also look at the fact that he's only 24 years old. And that really... I, I mean, I like the Rams' offense. I like Sean McVay. I don't like yeah. the guys on the defense. I don't like Sue. Right. I don't like Tlaib. I don't like Peter. They're all punks. Yeah. I like Aaron Donald. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with like Aaron Donald. Who, how can you not like Aaron Donald? Dude, you got to like, love Aaron Donald. You got to love Aaron Donald. But everybody else on that defense, for the most part, like kick rocks. Like, I don't like any of those guys. So, yeah, jerk offs. Yeah. With that said, I'd, Egotistic. Rather, I'd rather have the Patriots win, but I can absolutely see a scenario where the Rams win. I just don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I really. I, I could definitely see it, too, just because you look at the Super Bowl last year. What do the Eagles do? They pretty much. They just had had more talent than the Patriots. Bottom line, they had more talent than the Patriots. In a way, yeah. In, a, in the other way, it's like if the Patriots could have just stopped them once right. on defense, they couldn't stop them at all. Right. Tom Brady threw for over 500 yards, three touchdown passes. 
put up 33 points, that team did. It still wasn't enough. That's on your defense. That is definitely and, on your and defense. And you want to you want to nitpick that the Patriots got a little cute and they tried to do that trick play uh, pass to Brady and Brady just dropped it. <laughs> that yeah, that was that was a little hilarious. That, that was pretty Not funny. Good. You probably shouldn't have done that. Bad no. play call. But yeah. you put up 33 points. You should win the ball game. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If your quarterback throws for 505 yards, something like that, broke his own record broke in his the own Super, Bowl. Super Bowl record. Yeah, I mean that's. You, you need to win. You really need to win if your quarterback does that. But their defense could not stop anything that Saint, good old St. Nick was doing. He's yeah. not very good. He'll be as good with the Eagles. I'm telling you, if he went to the Jaguars or I'm trying to think of somebody else who needs a quarterback right now. What's why? The, I know because everybody's got one. They got a first round pick. You know? right. But if he went to the Jaguars yeah. or the Ravens, because the Ravens need a quarterback, they don't yeah, think yes. they. They don't think they do. They don't think they do. But they, but do. they, they do. They do. He wouldn't be very good. Nick right. Foles is not a good quarterback. I don't like him. And I don't dislike him as a person or anything like that. He never did anything to me. But as a quarterback, he's just he's only good with the Eagles. And he he'll fits in that scheme, and that's he, it. He might be gone next year from Philadelphia, and if he is, he's not going to succeed anywhere else. We've already seen it once. That's just kind of got off topic a little there. But so what do you think is going to happen in the Super Bowl? Because we're going to get ready to close this thing out and go have a few beers. How's that sound? That sounds excellent to me, Tim. All right. So I got the Patriots 31, the Rams 28. I truly think that what I think is going to happen is almost like every single Patriots game, the Rams are going to be on fire in the beginning, and then the Rams will be on fire the first quarter. Then the Patriots will get sort of their number, stop them, maybe get close second quarter, but still the Rams will go into halftime with the lead. Third quarter, Patriots will come out firing. They will come out swinging, and they will just kill it in the third quarter. Then the fourth quarter, it's going to be... Back and forth. Brady Back magic. and forth. Brady Magic. Brady Magic. Check magic. With the last drive of the game. Typical Patriot way. Exactly. That's the Patriot way. As far as what I have, I don't I didn't even spend time, you know. I'm kinda sick of it. I think at this point everyone's sick of all the breakdowns and the analysis and all that stuff. I think we're just ready for the last football game of the year, which Sucks. Fucking sucks, man. Really is that depressing. Suck. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't want to break it down anymore. I'm just ready for the game. I'm sick of talking about it. Like, if you think I'm sick of talking about it, how do you think the players feel? These poor guys yeah. got to go through media day, which I went to, by the way. It was awesome. They got to go to interviews. And then, like, the halftime, a part of me thinks it might be too big of a stage for guys so young like Sean McVay and Jared Goff. It's a big stage. You know, you're used to a 15-minute halftime. I agree. The, the halftime is going to be like 30, 40 minutes. Right. They're just going to have to sit there and, like, just wait. It, oh, it just sounds like – but the Patriots are used to it because they've done it the last three years. Which is one thing that we didn't really touch on. Let's touch on this real quick. Okay. Do you think that experience is going to be a big part in the Super Bowl? I've Everything – every prediction I've made throughout the playoffs has been based on experience. Okay. I wasn't taking – Patrick Mahomes over Tom Brady because he doesn't have the experience. I wasn't taking Jared Goff over the Saints because he doesn't have this experience. I'm not doing. I'm not. Ta- and and the, and the Rams won fine, but they shouldn't have. Fucking blown call is what that was all about. <laughs> they got they got screwed. They got. And I don't care, but they got screwed. The Saints got screwed, and I'm glad they did because they're cheaters. 
I'm going to say this on the air, but the Saints got it up the ass they, they from some, the Rams. I mean, from the refs. From the refs, kind of, kind of yes. game, kind of game a hearty. Yeah. But yeah, that's just the way I look at. It. I'm not taking the. I'm not. I'm not going against the experienced guy. There's no way. No yeah. way. No way. There's too much. And in, what one this guy game. I think is going to be a big X factor in this game, which people don't really talk about because Belichick sort of overshadows him quite a bit, is Josh McDaniels. He's been running that offense for years and years and years. Long time. And have you ever seen anybody just completely shut down in a big, as big of a game as this? Completely shut down Josh McDaniels and that Patriots offense? It's going to be a game, man. It is going to be a game, and I'm excited stoked. for it. Yep, so we're here uh, in Atlanta, and we're going to uh, we're gonna go party now. So my, my prediction, by the way, for the Super Bowl? Yes. Oh, God. Uh well, I'm taking the Patriots because, come on, it's Tom Brady. Final score. Uh, hmm. Tough one. Yeah, I don't want to go too high on this. I don't want to right. go too high. I think it's going to be a little bit more defensive than people think. I think so, too. That's why I'll go 27-24 Patriots. 27-24. Solid to me. Yeah, exactly. So, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank Jake for coming on. Say, say bye. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me over here. And I will see you guys hopefully pretty soon. Well, you're welcome down here anytime. Look Hell this, yes. Look at the setup we got for you. Look at your bedroom right now. Pretty fucking killer. That's right. Except right? it's filled with... I'm, gonna I'm, I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to edit this out. I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> I've never, people. ever... I've never mentioned my fandom on the air. No yeah. one knows. Yeah. Except my friends. And let me tell you, he is a big fan of one specific team. I mean, <laughs> this room that I'm staying in is filled. I got a blanket of this team. I got a pillow. I got uh, bean bags. I got it's called posters. cornhole down here. Cornhole, they call it yeah. cornhole. Yeah, everything down here. Look at that. Oh, more, more crap more. too. Right. Right. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl and uh, follow, like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. I appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Weddings should be memorable, but not for the groom's lack of style. That's why our friends at The Black Tux design rental suits and tuxedos that you'll love wearing at your wedding. So if you end up getting featured on a list of 23 epic wedding fails for, say, your reception table catching fire, or the DJ playing Let's Get It On during the father-daughter dance, at least you'll know you'll look good for your close-up. But the best part about The Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings you your suit or tuxedo, and they're going to bring it straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, they have showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Over 5,000 five-star reviews across WeddingWire, The Knot, and their own website agree you're not going to find another rental experience or design quite like the one you're going to find at The Black Tux. Call to action. Grooms, if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, visit theblacktux.com slash listen. That is theblacktux.com slash listen for $20 off your purchase. Walk, but don't run to theblacktux.com slash listen to find a look for you and your crew. Theblacktux.com, formal wear for the moment.